BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hi, I'm Tom Butler. And I'm Brendan Duffy. You're listening to the James Bond A to Z podcast. Join us on this journey of discovery across the world of the 007 movies as we take an encyclopedic look at cinema's greatest spy films. We'll learn about the people who made them in front of the camera and behind, from Ken Adam to Max Zorin, with the occasional detour down a few rabbit holes. And we'll sometimes be joined by guests with unique insight into the world of Bond. This podcast is in no way affiliated with the James Bond brand, E.ON, or the Fleming Estate. We do our best to make sure the information is accurate, but sometimes we do get it wrong. If you want to correct us on something, or add some more detail, email us on podcast at jamesbondatz.co.uk. Thanks for listening, we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the James Bond A to Z podcast for one final time. Our mission to discover everything we can about the world of Bond has come to an end. So we are back for one final debrief. My name is Tom Butler and joining me one last time, nobody does it better. It's Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang himself. It's Mr. Brendan Duffy. Hello. Hello. Um, How are you feeling? End of an era vibes, isn't it? It really is. It really is. I'm a bit bit bereft if if I'm honest. We've had like a week off recording and um, I'm already feeling quite sad that it's coming to an end, but um, uh, I'm happy. It's a good time to go out, I think. Yeah, um, and, and let's treat this as a celebration of what we've done. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I looked back, um, and it looks like we've done, I think, 109 episodes, right? Yeah. So, t- talking about James Bond on every single one, apart from one where we talked about knives, uh, Glass Onion, <laughs> um, because we wanted to... Um, but so 109 episodes, I did some very, very conservative sums on this, Brendan. Right. So, okay. And this is just including yours and my, my own time, not yeah. including Tom Wheatley, not including any of our guests and the time that they took to do it. So if we were to say 109 episodes, I would say we've spent 436 hours recording. Wow. As a, as a cumulative total. Okay. 327 hours editing. 872 uh, hours researching 
and 218 hours of just general admin. So if you tally all that time spent working on the podcast into one continuous time, it would be 77 days of working (laughs) continuously for 24 hours. And it's about 163 hours of podcast. So if you were to listen to the podcast from start to finish continuously, um, you would get about a week's worth of listening. And you'd probably go insane as well. Uh, and you would go completely <laughs> insane. So uh, 77 days worth of work has gone into this podcast for over two years, 163 hours, a week's worth of podcast to listen to. That's got to be worth at least £3 on Kofi, right? I mean, it's an absolute bargain, isn't it? If you're chipping I mean, three quid. I know, right? I mean, what's that? It's like th- that's like 3p an episode. <laughs> Yeah, something. So, if you can afford it, then we would ask you to uh, yeah consider donating to our Kofi. So it's ko ficom forward slash James World A to Z, um, and we haven't earned a great deal of money from doing the podcast, but it would be a nice way to go out if uh, everyone was to donate three pounds. That's our shilling done for the for the day. Um, but like I said, sad to go out here, but I think as a celebration, right? I think looking back. We're going out with more listeners than we've ever had. Yeah. We're getting more emails than we've ever had. Mm. Uh, we were recently named one of the best podcasts of the year by Esquire. We've been recommended by Radio Times, Film Stories and Pod Bible. So, yeah, I just it feels like a great time to go out, right? Go out on a high, leave them wanting more. I would say I would say that's the, the right thing to do. Um, and we've completed it. Like. It always felt like it was a definitive podcast, what with the way the premise was. You know, there was a it. start and there was an end and we've yeah. reached the end, of course, yeah. yeah. So coming up on this final episode, we're going to look back over the 27 Bond films for a sort of revisiting of our ranking of sorts and we'll have a special guest to do that with us. Uh, we're going to look at some of the... Uh, who we consider the most important creatives of the Bond world and we'll also be answering your listener questions uh, but first, Brendan, I've got a question for you. Yeah. 109 episodes, 200, what is it, 163 hours of talking. Is there any, is there any unfinished business <laughs> left? Any areas that you think we've only really just scratched the surface on? I think probably for me it would be getting some dream guests on. And I'm talking about, I mean, the big man, Brosnan, was our, <laughs> always our dream ticket. Um, but that was reaching for the stars, wasn't it? Um, yeah, uh, on, I've got guests. I guess as a note, um, because yeah, I feel like we 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 would have liked to have got more guests on, but it's just so time consuming. Yeah, tracking yeah. these people down, getting mm-hmm. them on, getting them in a in a position to be able to record. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel like we could have we could have maybe pushed harder on that, but honestly, we spent so much time in preparing and everything it was just there just wasn't time to do it on a weekly on a weekly basis absolutely and also the fact that a lot of the people where we would find the interest from would be people working in you know behind the scenes and they're working in the industry you know most of them still now and it's it's an industry that is is long hours and um so getting hold of them even harder yeah. And there's a lot of places out there, you know, other podcasts that do interview some of the the, the actors and, and what have you. Yeah. Um, and that's great. I mean, if you want to find out, hear, hear from those people, there's lots of podcasts out there who do that sort of stuff. And I think we always wanted to try and offer something a little bit different. So, 
Yeah. Who knows if we can get Brosnan, we'll definitely <laughs> bring the podcast back. <laughs> but um, yeah. any other unfinished business? Um, I tell you what, I always feel like we skimmed over the music slightly mm. for me. I feel like the, the, the some of the th- soundtracks, the themes, the theme songs are absolutely iconic. And obviously we, we did cover them in the film specials, but I don't know. It's a big part of Bond and I, I don't know if we did that justice. Yeah, there was only so much we could cover in one episode, really, there wasn't there. But I think you're exactly. right. I think the music is definitely a huge part of it. And we've really only only touched upon it. But again, I'm sure there's other podcasts out there that do that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, a couple of areas I think um, I've sort of we've sort of got more into over time and, and sort of I wish we could go back and do more on, which was stunts, first of all. I think there's so much to say about a lot of the stunts in the Bond films. They're so pioneering. Um, and then and then for me, the posters, obviously, with some of the more modern ones, there's not a lot to say with the posters. Mm. Um, but the more, you know, the more we look, I look into it, the more interesting stories there are behind them. So I wish that's that's kind of an area I think we could uh, we could have explored a bit more, but I didn't. Yeah, I agree. However, it's not a visual medium that we are partaking that's true. in, that's true. Um, and a lot of that would be lost. I think if we were a, a YouTube or dare I say it, TikTok then maybe we could have done that. Well, yeah, if we were 20 years younger, maybe we would have yeah. done that. <laughs> um, and then I guess the other things I wanted to sort of mention was like analysis of the films themselves. We spent so much time talking about the making of the films that we don't get to talk that much, or we haven't got that much time to talk about the content of the films themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's somewhere that um, I would ex- like to explore again sometime down the line. But again, um, that's the nature of our podcast. There are many podcasts that do that. Yeah. Um, and we, we were offering something slightly different in that. Uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, Well, that's that's the unfinished business then. I think we've pretty much uh, t- tackled everything else in, in great detail. Um, so move on to the next section. And a couple of people, well, one person particularly, Connor, Connor Horhey. Uh, apologies, Connor, for butchering your name there. Um, he emailed to say it would be great to have your final film rankings and weirdly after we'd actually recorded this next section we had an email from Luke Payne friend of the show and he said excluding the producers actors and Fleming which creatives would be on your Mount Rushmore Rushmore of the franchise that came after that came after we actually recorded a wow on the Mount Rushmore of Bond so Let's, uh, yeah, segue into the section where we'll bring you back an old friend to talk about the James Bond movie rankings. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Co-founder Tom Wheatley, how you been? Uh, hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've been, I've been good. I've, I've, uh... Not been doing much Bond research recently, so uh, I've had <laughs> You've about 20 hours spare a week. <laughs> so, so what have you been watching with that? A spare uh, time? Yeah, not not a lot. Not Fast a lot. and Furious. Fast and Furious. Really been catching up on my uh, uh, rock films as well. <laughs> uh, we invited you back for this final episode because there's some unfinished business that we need to attend to, which was the ranking which we foolhardily started at the beginning and realised it was just a, a fool's errand. Um, so invited you back uh, we're going to do a quick run through uh, the, the 27 Bond films in their release order rather than alphabetical this time mm-hmm. um, 
And rather than do it sort of a full ranking, we'll just give our sort of thoughts on it. And um, I thought Brendan and I, as, as we've been, as you're a sort of a part-time... Uh, uh, Bond fan. Bond fan, yeah. Um, <laughs> that uh, Brendan and I will cast our votes whether we think it's a top, middle or bottom Bond film. And then if we disagree, you get the deciding vote. How does that sound? That sounds good. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like the power is in your hands, Wheatley. Yes, yeah, only really? if you disagree. And we will. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. So let's start right at the very beginning. Doctor No, the prototype Bond film. Um, also, I've got a bit of a theory I want to sort of test out with you guys as well as we go through this. In that, I've, re- I've heard this before, but that each new Bond film is a reaction to the previous one. So we start off with the one that started it all off. Yeah, Doctor No, yeah. Um, obviously released in 1962. Uh, we've, we, I think we all saw this when it was re-released last year. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, I'm going to say uh, top, middle, or bottom. Doctor No is a middle Bond film. Brendan, what about you? Um, I find this hard. So t- top of the middle is what I would say. No, 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 no. What do we mean? No, no. Can't be well, doing got, that. You're adding got, new. Uh, okay. In the list, I've got it. Te- I've got it tenth. It's, te- it's, it's it's top ten for me. Right. So I'm making a call on it, am I? No, you don't need to make a call because we both agree it's oh, middle. Right. Okay, it's, right. It, it goes in the middle of the rankings, um, uh, and then on, on, from there we go on from Russia with Love. So obviously, the rea- my theory on it being a reaction to the previous one is that Doctor No was a big hit. They needed to repeat that um, success, so they went for the best Bond book. That's the reaction, I think. Uh, to that okay. uh brendan i think i know your f- feelings on this one why don't you start us off well i've got it as the definitive bond for me it's number one i don't know if that's going to shock people but yeah i've got it as number one it's my favorite interesting interesting well i mean i totally agree it's, it's definitely a top tier bond film for me uh, from russia with love so again wheatley you don't have a deciding vote but where would you put it yes exactly the same i think i ever reason? spoken to anyone who wouldn't put it in the top or in, in the top lot Mm. that's great i'm just noting these down as we go as well um why don't you just tell us a little bit more about why you love it so much brendan if it's your very top number one i mean strip it all back and it's a really good espionage thriller i think and then it's got the sprinkling of bond um because they're starting to get into the swing of things they know what they needed to do better from dr no um red grant is I mean, pound for pound, he matches Bond. He's sensational, and also Tanya is is excellent as well, isn't she? Um, Absolutely, a, a brilliant Bond girl. For me, the secret source of this one, as well as the music, the music is is excellent. But the, and the train scene, and the, just the sound editing on that alone, you know, combined with the visuals and the tension, it's it's a it's a fantastic. It's it's the blueprint. That's what they should be aiming for. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Right, on to one of our favourites. I know we all, we all love this one, Goldfinger. Uh, Brendan, where, where does this come for you? I'm going to say for me, it's a, it's definitely a top tier Bond film. And, and I would say, it, my theory on the reactionary thing, this is the one where they take it to America um, because they've got their sights set on conquering Hollywood, I think. Um, and they do. So uh, where do you where you put it, Brendan? That makes sense, actually, with with uh, your your reasoning of the reactionary, yeah. Um, because the first two they didn't really do very well in America, did they? No. So and yeah, then this one opens sense. in Miami, doesn't it? So yeah, 
Um, and obviously, it's top tier. I mean, you don't. We don't need to talk. I'll put it as number three. Okay. Um, and what about Wheatley? you, Wheatley? Yeah, it's my absolute favourite Bond film of all time. It's it's. I think it's the perfect Bond film. Simple Why? as that. Love it. Uh, I think the similar to From Rush with Love, that it's 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 like a self encapsulated film that it works on its own merits. It's a very good film just in, on itself without taking it into the account of the rest of the series. But also, I think that they get the dynamics of the characters really, really spot on with this. I think Goldfinger is the, the probably one of the best best villains to a counterpart to to Bond. He's he they just work so well together, and it. I, I think they've tried to get that same chemistry between Bond and the main villain quite a few times to varying degrees of success. But I think they they really get it spot on. The henchman spot on. Um, yeah, it just clicks. Everything clicks together and just is just so perfect in how they've done it. And the DB5 course as well. Um, yeah, I totally agree. It all clicks together there. Um, so on to Thunderball then. Thunderball uh, 1965. And um, this is the one they wanted to make right from the very start, right? It's the it's sort of the widescreen Vista Bond. Um, it's the one that they make on the back of the global sort of spy boom, right? Um, so this is the one where they throw everything at it. Um, for me, though, I don't think, and I'm not alone in thinking this, I don't think it quite lives up um, to its billing as the most successful Bond film. It's it's good, and you can see why it did well, but I feel like it was a film that was riding on the wave of something um, rather than... Uh, a film that did really well on on its own merits. Where where do you stand with it, Brendan? I'm going to put it middle. Well, to much disagreement, I imagine, and we'll probably get emails in just as well. This is the last episode, so close down the account. Uh, I've put it 23rd, so bottom. It's bottom tier for me. I find a, the the underwater scenes slow, pretty hard to follow. Um, I don't think the story is that strong, really, uh, and I think. Connery's done four, five better than this. So that leaves it to you, Wheatley. Where do you where do you put this one? Mm, five Top better. Uh, I'm going. I'm going middle. I, I agree with you that it hasn't. It doesn't really stand up to how you remember it. I definitely think when you're when you're younger, it's an exciting film. There's lots of nice, exciting elements. But when you're older and you watch back, watch it back. You sort of find you see that it's there's messy elements to it, and it's not surprising considering the way that they made it. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there's good elements to it. I, I do like some of the scenes. I do like some of the characters, but um, I wouldn't put it down th- that far down. Twenty three. I think that's too low for it. Yeah, agree. I think I I, I personally I think because it's it's a Connery it's prime movie. I I think it just doesn't deserve to be in the bottom tier. There's so, so much good about it. Um, that uh, for me it has to go middle so brendan i'm afraid you've been outranked outranked there great <laughs> so let's go off brand let's go for the uh let's go for the um the, the corner shop bond but casino royale 67 for a long time this one was at the bottom of our ranking is it still there i mean for me it's absolutely rock bottom <laughs> yeah it's it's not a bond film is it it's not I just don't think we've got anything more to say about Casino Royale 67, to be honest. Yeah, um, don't, don't it's, watch it. It's a, a mess of a production. The story of the production is interesting, but the mess of the production shows on screen and it's just 
it's quite nonsensical. There's there's a nice there's a few nice cameos in it, but other than that, it's it really is a curio footnote in the Bond yeah. story, isn't it? So uh, yeah, I think I totally agree. This is very much a bottom tier Bond film. So onto one we covered very recently. You only live twice. Um, I'll, I'll I'll stick my neck out on this one. I think this is top tier Bond. Um, I don't care what the haters say. I, I I absolutely love this movie. And you know what? I'm right there with you. And I've got it as number seven. I think it's top tier. I think it's a lot of fun to watch. I don't agree with uh, people that say Connery's bored at this point. I just think he's he's comfortable playing the role. Um, but it's a it's a fun nonsensical script written by Roald Dahl and uh, yeah it's gone well up in my estimation since we started the podcast this is one we covered after you stopped doing the podcast weekly what what are your thoughts on You Only Live Twice I think if you take if you were to review You Only Live Twice when it came out I think it's probably a bit of a difficult one because it is a bit mad it is a bit fantasy <laughs> probably you know if you watched it you probably go oh I wasn't too keen on that it wasn't what I was expecting but I think looking at it over time it's the framework for a lot of bond films that came after i think a lot of bond films that came after needed that film to show that they could actually you know branch out and do something a little bit more um fantasy based a little bit you know um mad uh, and i think it works for that so i think it's i think if you look back at it it's quite a fun enjoyable film i don't think you can sort of compare it with from russia with love um things like that but i do think it's a fun film Brilliant, yeah, and I guess in reaction to Thunderball, that was the, there was only one way to go, which was crazier, bigger, uh, more outlandish, mm. and so that's uh, that's what we got. Uh, and then on the absolute flip side of that one, we've got Honor Majesty's Secret Service, the uh, Lazenby's one and only Bond film. Uh, Bre- Brendan, now you didn't do this episode; you were on a holiday, I believe, when we recorded this episode. So I'm keen to see where you where you place this one. For me, it's top tier. Brilliant. It's, I've got I got it at number six. And I think, considering Lazenby had never performed before, I think he uh, he puts in a more than admirable performance as Bond. I, I just love the the story. the The visuals of his Gloria are stunning, and I, I I love him in disguise as Hilary Bray as well. <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I've long been a fan of this one, and uh, yeah, absolutely top tier for me as well. Um, for all those reasons as well and also as I often say you know this is the only Bond film I've had so far that's actually made me feel emotional uh, watching it in terms of like real sadness when Tracy gets killed at the end Um, Mm. so for that reason um, I think it stands alone in the Bond world as being one that is emotionally effective uh, in that sense whereas others have spectacle and action and all that sort of stuff this has that but then the other layer on top. Wheatley, what about you? Yeah, I've never liked it as much as you have. I remember when we were young and you used to desperately want to watch this all the time. Um, but I do think it's a very good film. I think there's an element of it which is... Talking about like Casino Royale 67, there's a there's a curiosity element to it. I think um, Automatic Secret Service has got that element as well. It's Because it's slightly different than a lot of the other ones and obviously it's the only one that George is in. It's, there's There's an element of it which is it's really interesting as part of the Bond series to watch, but in a good way. It's like a really good film as well. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's really interesting and well done. And I think they, they again, like You Only Live Twice, I think there's a lot of things they tried in this one that then go on to have a big impact later on. Um, but it is a bit of a, a change from some of the earlier ones. Absolutely. 
And another change is afoot. Three films, uh, three films after another. This one is another complete about face. This is Diamonds Are Forever. Um, and we see the return of Sean Connery after sitting out from You Only Live Twice. But a lot's changed <laughs> in the Bond <laughs> films between that one and this one. Brendan, where do you where do you place this one? It's one of the early ones we covered, isn't it? Yeah. So Wheatley, you were there for covering this. I think mm. I think we all must have been in agreement. We did a lot tier. a lot of depth on this film. I remember yeah. this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's bottom tier. I just it all looks so beige. It hasn't got a nice look to it. Connery looks sweaty the whole time <laughs> and he just Connery's just he's there for the the cash, isn't he, at this point. Let's Let's be honest with that. And um, this is the one where I'd say he's a little bit bored. Just yeah. phoning it in. And it's, a, yeah, it's doesn't offer anything really. There's a I weird sh- weird vibe, weird atmosphere to this movie, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. It feel, feels very much like the previous films are all very much 60s films. This one just comes swaggering out, sweating into the yeah. 70s, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it, the way it's shot, it looks like an episode of Columbo. <laughs> I'm not throwing shade on Columbo there, but I'm just saying it looks like a TV show from the era. Yeah. If I have to say anything about this one, I do think it, I, there is a bit of a guilty pleasure element to it for me, to be honest. Um, I do like seeing Connery um, in this. I do like Tiffany Case. I think she's great. And there's just some weird elements to it I like. But I think very much it's a bottom tier film. There's no way you can argue this is a top tier Bond film. But, you know, people are entitled to appreciate it in their own way, I guess. Wheatley? Yeah, it's definitely bottom for me. Daft camp, unnecessarily camp film with a lot of weird elements that just don't seem to fit in. And half of it's really camp and sort of comedy. And then half of it's quite dull and not that... (laughs) exciting they you know there's lights everywhere because it's in las vegas but it just doesn't it doesn't seem to have any life to it in a lot of the time yeah and the plotting's a bit convoluted as well isn't it yeah on to the roger moore era brendan your favorite era of bond um, (laughs) with live and let die and uh why don't you why don't you tell us where you place this one first brendan uh it's mid-tier to for me but I, I would say it's one of our favourite Roger Moore. Okay. Um, I like the voodoo aspect of it. I like the sort of, it, it's creepy. It's the, I think it's the only Bond film that's got that creepy feel to it. Mm. Um, and obviously the soundtrack by George Martin. Yes. Is incredible. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to put, I'm going to disagree. I think this is top tier Bond for me. Um, for that reason, for for it being so different from all the others, I think um, I like. I think that uniqueness. Roger's first outing. He's not quite Bond yet. It's got very strange, like villains. Um, it's got a very uh, distinct setting and tone. Um, and I just this is one I, I've watched many, many, many times, and, and will always come back to. So uh, for me, it's top. Uh, Wheatley, you've got the deciding vote. Then whereabouts does this go for you? Top tier. Well, hey. I I just I think it's it just smashes into the Bond world, especially after Diamonds Are Forever, with a exciting new way of doing things. Um, and I think I think Roger is fantastic in this. He's actually in this film. He he's a bit silly, um, and you can sort of see what's co- what's coming later on. Um, but it's all quite youthful and um, 
uh, naive in some ways. Whereas later on, you look at some of the films like um, View to a Kill, where it's just comedy. Uh, here, it's it's quite nice, and um, I, I think it's got a very fresh feel to it, and uh, I do like that. I like that. Yeah, good description. Fresh feel to it. Yeah. Uh, so then we are on to Man with the Golden Gun, which is the last of the Harry Saltzman produced Bond films. And boy, this is a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, it's like they've got Christopher Lee. They've got Roger Moore and they've gone, we need to make something. And they've just, they've made anything. Um, it's such a missed opportunity, isn't it? Because he's great at Scaramanga and if you feel like you put him in a better film, just it would, it could be top tier this. It's mid tier, but it could be top tier. Uh, you're going mid tier, are you? Yeah, yeah. I don't hate this one. Yeah. I think there's enough, I think Christopher Lee does enough of the heavy lifting to keep it mid tier for me. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll agree mid-tier as well. Um, I just, yeah, again, this is one that's very much of a place and of a setting. Christopher Lee gives it everything. That, just that dinner scene, come, come, Mr. Bond. Yeah. It's uh, it's worth it for that um, alone. And obviously you've got knick-knack as well and a flying car. What more could you want? Wheatley? Exactly. Yeah, I'd say middle bit. Um I think I think the thing about Man Man the Golden Gun is on paper the concept is absolutely fantastic. Um, Bond going up against the world's best assassin sounds so good, but in mm. when it's actually implemented, it's so full of like weird like navigations to to actually get to to that point that it's there's some very odd stuff in it, and it's a bit of a weird mix of some of it tries to be dark, um, like you know the scenes where uh, Roger hits more Adams and stuff, which sort of comes out of nowhere. And then, then you've got a whistle that when he goes over the in the car on the on the bridge, which, mm. yeah, it's it sets the tone quite a bit for Roger Moore's coming after where they're a bit all over the place. Um, but I do think some of the some of it's very nicely done. It's, it's got J. W. Pepper in as well, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So that's time, yeah, yeah another thing that uh, and he's a fan favourite. But that the tone is all over the place in Man with the Golden Gun. I think. Yeah, very much so. So from the sublime, from the ridiculous to the sublime, then the spy who loved me, um, which for me is absolutely top three Bond, could be my number one depending on the day of the week. Uh, so that's I'm putting my flag in the sand, top tier, uh, one of the all time greats. Brendan, oh you're gonna fall out with me. Oh no, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> when I did the list, it there's just no way it can get into my top ten. I'm afraid. What? Just it 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 doesn't. It's number eleven. Oh so, my god! We've got it's got it, four Brosnan ones in there, so it's pushing them all out. <laughs> it just, yeah, I don't know. I I just wouldn't. I was thinking about would I put this on, like of an afternoon? Would I put it on? And it, I'd put the ones that are above it on before I would put this on. And you know, I, if it was on ITV four, I'd watch it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I don't love it like you do. Nowhere near. Weekly, yeah, it's going top tier. Man's talking nonsense. <laughs> Not having any of that rubbish. Not in top ten. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it when we did the episode. And this for me is that is the is the seventies Goldfinger. I just love everything, every single aspect of this movie, um, from the yeah. pre-titles and the song to Roger. Um, if anything, you know, it's got a weak villain. Let's just say. I mean, it was going to be Blofeld. It ended up being Stromberg, and that. You, you know, is a bit weak. It's got its sort of a, a, a copy of You Only Live Twice as well. I just love everything about it um, from from the start to the finish, right to the sea shanty, right at the very end. Um, I just, th- this for me is, is top, very top tier. 
I mean, the soundtrack, though. Marvin yeah. Hamlish's soundtrack mm. is top tier for me. Yeah, it's, Billington is fantastic in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Billington, that's a callback. That's a real callback. All right, Moonraker. I think we know where you both stand on that one. Absolutely uh, abomination. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> set second from bottom. It's awful, awful, awful film. But if you enjoy it, fair play to you. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, when I, I, I've always been sort of quite sympathetic towards Moonraker, but when I saw it at the cinema on the re-release, it's, it's a bit of a slog, I've got to admit. Um, so I think I've got to agree. I think it's going bottom tier for me as well. Wheatley? Kids film. <laughs> Rubbish kids film. But not in a good way, yeah, because kids film, you've got the spy love me and you only live twice. They're kids films, I, but they're good. I remember when I was a kid and I watched that, I thought it was fantastic. And I assume it was for just the just the ridiculous scenes in it. Like I paid no attention to the storyline or anything. I just like the space bits and stuff like that. Uh, when you're an adult, you realise that that's, that doesn't hold a film together. No. When, no. When, when, he, when he actually goes in space. Yeah. No. Don't do that again. No. I like the, the scene on the cable cars. I'm just going to put that out there. And I also like the 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 the, the free fall sequence right at the start as well. I think those two are standout yeah. moments in Moonraker. But apart so, from that, so you yeah. like the scenes that are set on Earth? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. From there, onto for your eyes only, uh, Roger Moore's gritty Bond film from 1981. For me, this is a hard one to love. Um, mm. It's got the elements there, and it should be. You know, back to Fleming. It's 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 trying to be a grounded thriller. Um, it just it just feels quite pedestrian for me, and so I'm putting for your eyes only middle tier. Yeah, I agree. I've got it at seventeenth, and there there is bits of it that I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I can see where the what they're trying to do with this, but yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, difficult to get through. Wheatley. Yeah, it's neither good nor bad for me. It's a bit of a beige film. It's got it's watchable. It's got nice elements in it, but there's nothing in it that I, I struggle to look back at it. All I can remember is bits like he's climbing up that mountain. That's um, all I can remember as well. <laughs> there's nothing that really stands out to me. Like you know, you know, with a lot of Bond films, there's a bit that you really go, "Oh, that's the one with that scene in it," and all those mm. ones. Fiora's only just sort of glass, glosses over for me, and I can't quite remember what's in it. Yeah, it's got the parrot, hasn't it? That's the and uh, Margaret Thatcher at the end. They're the sort of uh... stand standout scenes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's going that's going middle tier. Uh, Octopussy. Uh, I think we've made our feelings clear about this movie many many times. Uh, Wheatley, where do you stand on Octopussy? Uh, a bit of a confusing mess for me. Um, there's a lot going on. There's multiple baddies. Uh, I think when I was younger, I never quite understood what was going on. Um, but I think yeah, it's just a bit silly, uh, especially you know you've got the scenes with like the gorilla and the. Uh, clown, uh, the clown suit. Uh, there's some. It's a weird mishmash. And then isn't it got the weird scene, dark scene with the dogs chasing the woman through the forest? That's um, that's Moonraker, isn't it? Is that Moon? That's Moonraker. Yeah. Oh no, it's yeah, the knife throwers in the forest. It's got the knife throwers, and that is quite a sinister moment, I think, in that yeah. film. Um, I think this is this is I... another one where the tone is all over the place, and mm. and I can, I can't quite in my head work out what happens in it. Fabergé eggs. That's the bit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the hook. The MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah, this I is... don't like it. I'd go bottom yeah. tier for Octopussy. Yeah, this is absolutely bottom tier for me. And I know there's a lot of people out there who love this. It's a guilty pleasure, and I think that's an age thing as well, right? If this was the first one you went to see at the cinema, then absolutely you're going to love it as much as we love Goldeneye. But um, for me, 
I just can't get I just it just does nothing for me I find it a bit of a slog to watch so uh, yeah bottom tier for me Brendan yeah it sits nice and snug with Moonraker down there. <laughs> that lovely in the doldrums. double box set <laughs> all right here's an interesting one then never say never again where are we where where are you going to place that one Brendan well I've made it clear many many times that <laughs> I think this is better than Thunderball right so for me it's mid-tier I've got it as 19th I like seeing Connery at this stage of his life playing yeah. Bond. Um, I think um, Fatima Blush is excellent, but it does deteriorate once she's off screen, which is a uh, an issue. It doesn't have the official soundtrack, you know. Yeah, it lacks. It, it does. That is a massive hole in this. But I can watch it. I liked it. Yeah, I'd watch it again. So you've gone mid-tier. I'm going to completely agree. I think it's very much a mid-tier Bond film for me. And, it, yeah. you know, it's got... It is an official Bond film, regardless of whether it's considered canon or not. And it's got Connery yeah. in it. And it's, you know, based on an Ian Fleming story. So um, there's just, like you say, there's just all those bits and bobs missing, aren't there? It's like... Um, mm. Yeah, it's like watching a revival of your old uh, an old TV show, isn't it? It's kind of... It's sort of the right setting, but it's never quite as good... Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah for that uh, that's where I'm putting it in the middle um, right view to a kill <laughs> the very first one this we covered we, this is what would be this is the first one we ever did wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. Where, where do you stand with a view to a kill Brendan uh, it's bottom tier it's uh, but I don't I think we were pretty angry when we covered this weren't we <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I think I've it mellowed. was the realisation of how much effort it was going to go into this podcast that was <laughs> yeah. required. Maybe it was that. Um, well, I think it was the hour of horses that really sort of wore me down. Yeah. But um, it it doesn't anger me. It's just quite boring, isn't it, really? Yeah, I think well, so. And with think... Roger, Roger Moore playing Bond way too old. Yeah, his facelift um for me it's it's definitely bottom tier as well uh it's i've watched it again recently it's not as bad as i remember i would say it's top of the bottom if i if i had to be kind to it it's um it's fine it's got a very interesting uh villain and bench person and setting but that scene you know all that stuff in san francisco it's just a bit of a slog isn't it as well as well as well, the where he gets where he gets a desk job yeah, and where he's yeah. chasing around uh, on top of a fire engine, it's just very clear. Not clearly not him. Where, where, where do you stand, Wheatley? Yeah, not a big fan. It's um, <laughs> it, yeah, you're right. It's a complete slog, um, and there's not really any. I I think this is another one where when I was younger, I I probably thought it was amazing, um, but going back to it, I I think this is the thing when you're young. When, say say when you're like you know a te- young teenager and you're watching Bond films, I don't think you like watch the whole thing. So you just like watch bits and then you'll dip in and out, see a bit on TV. When you watch it in its entirety, that's when it, you really go, oh, blimey, these, God, there's a long bit here, isn't there, in, in the on a fire engine that's completely forgot about. And the, the, obviously the horses. I don't remember sitting through 40 minutes of horses when I was a kid. So yeah, I think there's it's just unnecessary bit, lots of unnecessary scenes and they're unnecessarily long as well and confusing. Right. Onto a new era then, and we, I'm going to start with you on this one as well. Actually, living the living daylights because you weren't uh, on the show when we when we covered this one. So where do you stand on the living daylights? I like living daylights. Um, I think it's, I think it's an interesting start for Dalton. I think there's some really good bits in it. Uh, there's some nice scenes. Um, I think it's quite 
looking looking back on it, I think it's, it it holds together quite well. Um, it's obviously a bit jarring in comparison to if you're not used to seeing Dalton, um, but I do like it. I would probably say it's. I'd probably put it in mid. Mid, uh, Brendan. Well, I've got it at number eight, so that means it's top, doesn't Very it? Very top tier, yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, watched it at the cinema last year again, and that gave me a newfound respect for it. And I've probably watched it three or four times since we started the podcast alone. Uh, I think Dalton puts in a great performance. I think the story, it's a good story, you know, and it's a good Bond film. Um, it's got some lovely scenes. Uh, going down the snow on the cello is is wonderful, wonderfully played. Um, I, tell, I tell you what, uh, Butler, we, we watched it after uh, we went to Casino Royale Secret Cinema, didn't we? Yes. And some of it is a slog. That last bit with the plane, the aircraft carrier, whatever it is, <laughs> that goes on for so long. You don't know what's happening. There's just people everywhere, things happening. I, I remember, I think we went to bed early that night. We said, we've given up on this. Because <laughs> it was it was longer than I remember. I always remember Living Daylights as being a sort of short, snappy film, but it wasn't. It's not, it's not. Um, I'd say Living Daylights for me is, is one of the films that has risen the most in my estimation since doing the podcast. For me, this is absolutely top tier Bond now. I know when we did Licence to Kill, or when we, when we did the Dalton episode, I was sort of very adamant that Licence to Kill was a much better film than Living Daylights. I actually don't think there's a huge amount in it for me anymore. I do prefer Licence to Kill, and we'll come on to that in a second. But Living Daylights... I love, it's just got a very Cold War feel to it. Um, I love mm. the relationships that Bond has with everyone. I love the way that he moves through the story. Don gives him a very interesting characterization. The stuff he has with Saunders is great. I love the yeah. stuff with Kara. I think once it gets to Afghanistan, that's where it sort of starts to lose its momentum a little bit. Um, but for me, this, uh, I, I, like you, Brendan, it's probably one of the ones I've watched the most while we've been doing this, uh, doing this podcast. I just think it's, uh, there's just so much to glean from it and so much to enjoy, uh, in it. Yeah. So for me, top tier, and then on to license to kill. And I, I'll again, plant my flag in the sand. I think this is absolutely top tier bond as well. Um, again, like on a Majesty secret service, it's a bit of an outlier, it's different to all the others, and I love it for that. Um, it's very dark. It's very violent. Uh, it probably pushed it a bit too far. Dalton's great in it. It's got a really interesting, cool setting. So for me, it's very much top tier. Brendan? I've got it at number five, so it is Ooh. massively top tier. If you're going to do Bond going rogue, this is how you do it. Um, but you do need an actor like Dalton to do that. You know, He is just so so angry about the whole situation um and that revenge mission it's uh it, it's brilliant um and i think the i think sanchez is genuinely quite a scary villain yeah Wheatley? can't stand it it's like a poor man's die hard <laughs> <laughs> absolutely hate this film every time i've watched it i've just not enjoyed hardly any of it, it just seems very american 90s style it's just yeah i just don't like it well there you have it good job you didn't have the deciding vote on that one yeah um <laughs> golden eye uh here we there, go what is there to say about golden eye this is this is probably my my favorite of the of all the james bond films i just there's just something about it i find irresistible it's the one i've watched the most the most times i think um it was the first one i saw at the cinema and uh, i just find it, it endlessly watchable so top very top tier for me brendan 
Yeah, it's number two. As, as it'll come to no surprise to anyone, it's top tier. Um, Brosnan. Yeah, that's that's all I need to say. It's Brosnan. With You're going to say that for script. all the Brosnan ones. It's no, Brosnan, because this this Brosnan with a decent script, isn't right. it? And it's it, it's it's also an ensemble cast of familiar British faces coming together and making a really good Bond film. Yes, just a shame about the soundtrack. Uh, Wheatley. Yeah, obviously, it's just just great. It's it's like they've uh, you can tell they've really cared about it and they really pulled together something that was that was good. Um, and I think they took some risks in it, but it, it all paid out in the wrong run. It's just yeah, just fantastic film. Yeah, this is just a real energy to it, isn't there? It really mm. moves on along at a great pace. It's got some really interesting characters throughout. The Bond girls are terrific, um, and um, yeah. I just, I, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, so on to the next one, Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, Brosnan's second one. This was a real slog for them to make, really difficult behind-the-scenes story behind this one. Wheatley, you weren't here for this episode, so where do you stand with Tomorrow Never Dies? I think it's a midway, mid for me. It's just, again, it's like pretty pretty standard, generic 90s action flick for me. There's not really much going on that's that exciting. The villain is awful. Um <laughs> But I do think it's it's quite fun and watchable. There's some nice elements. The cycle chase, the the, the motorbike chases are nice. Some cool stuff in it, and um, Brosnan's quite good in it as well. But I just think it just, I it just sort of disappears for me into the whole '90s action film genre. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, it's okay. It just doesn't do enough to to put it into the top tier for me. It's kind of just a completely middling Bond film. I love Waylon. I don't mind Jonathan Price in it. Um, but it's just not, just doesn't do enough for me. And I know a lot of people out there really, really love this movie. So apologies, but I, I'm glad you get something out of it, Brendan. Yeah, it's mid tier for me as well. Like, uh, like you both say, there's there's some nice moments in there. What annoys me about this one is Brosnan looks excellent in this one. This, <laughs> he looks he looks like Bond, doesn't he? This is him. Um, but he just from now on. He doesn't. He gets one good film out of four, really, which is such a shame. So, world is not enough. Wheatley, why don't you tell us what you think about world is not enough while I formulate my thoughts? Uh, it's <laughs> probably a step up from Tomorrow Never Dies for me. There's a bit more of an in-depth story to it, uh, and they sort of tie in more interesting elements. So you've got a bit more about M in it and things like that. But I still not a massive fan of the film. I do think it drags a bit, spirals a bit into nonsense when you've got like dr christmas jones in it and stuff um but overall it's probably a good middling middling bond film for me brendan interesting bottom Bottom. 20th 20th for me right um it's got a weird sort of haze across it all the story is slow it doesn't it doesn't feel like a bond film at times it's like what am i watching here there, there's a soap opera feel to it isn't there in places yeah yeah um it's got moments but not enough to to put it anywhere near the the top yeah i i'm really struggling with this one um i don't think it's bad enough to go in bottom tier but also i think it's only just scraping into middle tier so i'm going to say middle tier for me um mm. so where did you put it weekly Middle tier. Middle tier. Yeah, so you've got the deciding vote on that one. But I'm going to say it's it's low middle. It's, you're right. It's just, there's something soapy about it. 
never, never really gels together. Um, I like Sophie Marceau as Electra, and there's, there's such a great opportunity there for for do, to do something more interesting with it. But there's too many hench people. The story's mm. all over the plot. Robert Carlyle. I don't know if he's that exciting as Renard. He's okay. He holds hot rocks. Yeah. But onto the pièce de résistance of the Brosnan era. Die another day. I mean, I bloody love this movie, but I know for a fact it's not a top-tier Bond film. Um, so um, I think I have to put it in the middle, um, and I think that might upset some people. Um, but, uh, Brendan, where do you put it? What, what do you think of Die Another Day? I've got it as 13th, and I agree wow. with you. Wow, right? 13th. Right, I, and I agree with you. I know it's not top-tier, but I would watch this over most of the list. <laughs> because I, there's something about it I just love, and and I know it's I know it's nonsense. I know there's a lot of problematic sort of the invisible car. People don't like that. They don't like. I mean, it goes to the ice palace and just goes off the rails. But do you know what? It's it's watchable, and Brosnan is just having a good time, and his accents all over the place. But I don't mind. Yeah. What about you, Wheatley? I think, and I've said this before on the podcast, I think it's not only one of the worst Bond films ever made, but it's one of the most <laughs> worst films ever made. But what I would say is I can I can watch it like once every four years because I find the fact that it's so bad funny. And I like to be reminded of the nonsense that happens from start to finish. It's sort of <laughs> the whole process of this film is a weird undulating series of like random things happening like from the the start of it which is very serious and sort of starts like you you're expecting it to be be a very dark very political based film to the a man with like uh, electric firing guns on his hands (laughs) that was never explained why he had them and then it's got the worst quips in it out of any bond film it's it's absolute nonsense as a bond film I i think it's absolutely awful but as a fun film to watch maybe after five beers it's quite good Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, 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 there's something about this film. Again, it's an outlier, isn't it? It feels very different to all the other Bond films. Um, mm. So there we go. Right, Casino Royale. Then we're into the Daniel Craig era. Uh, this for me is a really, really solid James Bond film in the in the ilk of From Russia with Love, Goldfinger. Um, it's uh, it's the origin film, and it's just done so well. Like. Uh, it's, it's not very often you see a franchise reboot that's just so uh, flawlessly executed. I mean, they did it with Golden GoldenEye and they did it again with Casino Royale. Um, and I, I think Daniel Craig really put his, his mark on the role in this one. And if this one hadn't been as good, you know, he might not have stuck around for five movies. So, um, yeah, for me, it's top tier. Brendan? Absolutely top tier. It's a, a fantastic film and, and Martin Campbell has done it again. The soundtrack is incredible. The title song is just so perfectly pitched um, and Daniel Craig's performance is excellent. And he's supported by, you know, Judy Dench coming back was a masterstroke as well because yeah. it's sort of that that carryover from the previous era. Yeah, it might not make sense, but it, it fuses it all together. Yeah. Wheatley? Yes, of course. You're completely right. It's, <laughs> it's a fantastic film that sits... Uh, I think it picked up a lot of people when it came out that would probably never Bond films before because uh, Bond fans before because it's just such a good accessible film that really 
started Bond for a new generation or a new load of people that maybe didn't watch it before. So yeah, it's just a fantastic film, and you could watch that on its own, even if you weren't a Bond fan. You just go, this is a great film. Mm. Yeah, we talked yeah. about it on an episode, didn't we, where we talked about gateway Bond films, and this is like the ultimate gateway Bond film. If you want to get someone who's new into into it, this is a good one to start with. Uh, Quantum of Solace, though, not so good. How to lose your audience after you just gained them? Well done. Uh, just a, at least it's short. That's that's one thing going for it. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's not it's another one that's not really a Bond film, is it? It's just relentless action. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there was um, a lot of issues with this one behind the scenes, and it sort of just comes across, doesn't it, um, mm-hmm. on the um, on the screen. Um, did, did you say bottom tier, Brendan? Yeah, I've got it at twenty second. Yeah. Again, there's a lot of people out there who really enjoy this, but I, for me, it's just put together in such a ramshackle way that it just feels uh, like a real wasted opportunity. Uh, Wheatley. Yeah, um, I I think I said this before that there's very few films I've walked out of in my life. Quantum of Solace was one of them. And it wasn't because I desperately wanted to leave. I had a flight, but I could have made it if I'd watched the film. But I decided, actually, I'd rather go get a sandwich than watch the end of this film because I was that disinterested in it. And and it, it is, and I think that it was that in Spanglish, <laughs> probably two of the films that I've walked out of. Um, and And... I mean, if I was going to watch a Bond film normally, there was not a chance, like for the first time, there's no chance I'm going to walk out. But this one, I didn't mind. I was like, I'll just watch it another time. Not getting much from it. <laughs> Skyfall then. Uh, for me, this is, again, absolutely top tier Bond. Uh, I absolutely, I love this movie. Um, I've, I've seen it probably as much. It's one of the most, my most watched Bond films. I watched it a lot when it was in cinemas. I watched it a lot afterwards. I've seen it with an orchestra. There's just something classic about this one. Uh, it's very well made. It's the first of the prestige Bond films, isn't it? It's the one where they got a, a, an Oscar winning director, gave him an Oscar winning or an Oscar nominated cinematographer. And they just made just the absolute top tier premium Bond uh, movie. So for me, yeah, top tier. Brendan? It's absolutely top tier. And I've got it as number nine, but only purely because there are so many in my yeah, it has to go somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but I echo what you say. And I like the British feel to this. There's something nice about the, the character being in his home setting, I think. Wheatley? Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, I, 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 when I watched it again recently, I've seen I've probably seen Skyfall more out of the new ones over the past few years than any any other ones just because it is very watchable. You can turn it on at any point and just go, oh, I really enjoy this scene. I think it does have its flaws. I don't think it's as interesting as Casino Royale. I don't think it's got as much depth as Casino Royale, but I think it's a very enjoyable um, film with a lot going for it that everyone can watch. So Spectre then, this obviously was uh, Sam Mendes' follow-up and... um... Like Casino Royale, uh, Quantum of Solace following Casino Royale, it feels like they didn't quite hit the, hit the mark on this one for me. Spectre is very much a, a, a middle tier Bond film for me. Uh, but Brendan, I suspect you may put it lower. Well, I've got it 16th, so it's okay. fairly middle. Um, I just think they got all the rights back to every aspect of the character and got too excited and couldn't wait and should have waited and done it well because um, what we get is a bit of a mess really 
Yeah, Wheatley? Yeah, what I was saying about Skyfall in that you can turn it on, really enjoy it. I think you can turn on Spectre and watch it, but it just doesn't have the heart and it doesn't have the the, the sort of um, flow of Skyfall. It's just not very enjoyable. It's a bit clunky and, yeah, I, I don't really... I never want to watch it, basically, and I don't like... There's so much about it I don't like that annoys me, especially Blofeld. Mm. Yeah, it lacks the narrative cohesion as Skyfall, doesn't it? Mm. Um, so that brings us to the to the final one, Bond Twenty Five, uh, No Time to Die, um, a tricky one to evaluate and put in. But uh, I'm going to go and say, for me, it's middle tier, um, and the reason for that is. It's just uh, there's other Bond films I think that are better than it. I I appreciate what it did. I know it had a lot of um, uh, th- loose ends that it had to tie up, and I feel like it did all those things uh, really well. Um, and I thought the ending was very very bold. It made some interesting, really interesting, um, unusual decisions for such a long running franchise and such a well established character. Um, add, adding so much to that. Um, but uh, ultimately, you know, the villain plot's weak um, and the, the, the plotting just sort of doesn't really hold together under under much scrutiny. So for me, I'm putting it middle, Brendan. I mean, it's hampered by the fact that they're sort of trying to piece it together as they as they go. So when they started the Daniel Craig era back yeah. in 2006... They didn't have the rights that they end up having by the time they get to the end of the era. So the story that they've created along the way, it's all bit by bit uh, creating this weird story that then by the time they get to No Time to Die, they're having to patch it up, aren't they? And mm. explain why that makes sense, why that's connected. Um, so that definitely has an effect on it. And I've put it 18th in my list. So that's middle tier as well, isn't it? Yeah. Wheatley? Yeah, I go middle tier. I think that it is. I think it's a success in the fact that it was going to be a very, very difficult film to do, and the chances of it being good was were, there was a risk that it was going to be a mess. But I think they did it well, and I I like that film. It's definitely not top tier, but I think it's a, a good final film for that series. Well, there you have it. That's the uh, James One Z ranking. So, uh, in terms of like how the numbers lie. We've got six films in the bottom tier there. Casino Royale 67, Diamonds Are Forever, Moonraker, Octopussy, A View to a Kill and Quantum of Solace. Um, So Roger there taking three of those spots, sadly. Um, In the middle tier, there's 10 films. Doctor No, Thunderball, The Man with the Golden Gun, For Your Eyes Only, Never Say Never Again, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day, Spectre and No Time to Die. Um, I think if I had to move any of those, I think I'd move Doctor No up to top tier. I feel bad for putting it middle tier now. And then the top tier, there's 11 films in there. From Russia With Love, Goldfinger, You Only Live Twice, Unimagined Secret Service, Live and Let Die, The Spy Who Loved Me, uh, Living Daylights, License to Kill, Goldeneye, Casino Royale and Skyfall. Does it sound good? That's a good box set, top tier. Okay, well, let's just move on quickly to this next section. So uh, I want you to imagine, right, we're on Pinewood. We're at the 007 stage and Ken Adam has built his most magnificent set yet. 
and it's a tribute to, to the move the, the the bond james bond movies it's the mount rushmore of james bond okay mm-hmm. yeah on this mountain is already carved the faces of the six james bond actors from sean connery to daniel craig um, i'm afraid there's no room for niven um uh, or um uh, peter sellers but the other people on there are ian fleming Harry Saltzman, Kobe Broccoli, Barbara Broccoli, and Michael G. Wilson. But which other faces from the history of the production of the Bond films also deserve a place on the Mount Rushmore of Bond? Brendan, give us a name. Ken Adam. Yes. Why? Some of the sets he designed on the budget he had early on in the Bond franchise were absolutely outstanding. And then obviously he goes on to create the volcano set in You Only Live Twice, and then the super tanker in The Spy Love Me. I, ju- I just think his his contribution was absolutely breathtaking to making Bond what it was, that that final third spectacle. Wheatley, give us a name. Morris Binder. Wee. I think when you're picking people for this Mount Rushmore, you're basically looking at the contribution they had to the overall series and its longevity. So think if you look at what Morris Binder did for it he you know tendrils of what he did just feed into everything after that and um, without him it's you know would have gone a very different way right here's my contribution then John Barry obviously the composer on many many Bond films but instrumental in giving Bond uh, this the sound that it has had and 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 still does do Um, right from from Russia with Love a film we talked about earlier uh, right up until um, his final film uh, on the Living Daylights. Yeah. Just they just when you hear when you picture Bond and you hear Bond, you hear John Barry's work, and that obviously stretches right back to his reworking of the um, of the theme song uh, in the in the first movie. So John Barry's up there for me. I've been doing this in uh, alphabetical order. Have you noticed? It's very how many how many heads are we having on? We just keep going until we 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 get to um, until we get to Lee Tamahori. um well i'm gonna go with terence young okay because without terence young you don't get the way sean connery portrayed the character the way he became the character the look the feel you know terence young was integral to that yeah so without that i don't think you move forward because connery would have played it in a different way because he didn't know any of the the things that Terence Young was uh, was able to sort of pass on to him. Great, Wheatley. Any more names to add? I, found, I think it's quite tricky because I, I I was thinking about like directors and things, but and writers, but I just don't think because they're what they've done for the series is quite encapsulated in one or two areas, whereas all these people have really affected everything or a, a lot of it. So I couldn't think of any any from from that. I'd probably like to see bernard lee's face up there oh absolutely mm-hmm. well let's just say bernard lee lois maxwell desmond llewellyn as an absolute given right yeah that'd yeah. be it. Yeah, yeah i mean I'd, I'd rather just have them on a on a mountain those three <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think i think with this the probably more interesting angle to come at is there anybody from from that's outside of the first 10 years of bond that would go on mount rushmore so oh, that is interesting. This. I thought David Arnold because 
I think he's so important to the longevity of the series after he came in. Uh, and he shaped those films in the style of those films. Yeah. 100%. And I think alongside David Arnold should go um, Daniel Kleinman as well, who does mm. the the graphics for the uh, from GoldenEye onwards. Obviously, didn't do Quantum of Solace. But Daniel Kleinman, I think, is one of the most important and integral creatives on Bond nowadays. Um and I think yeah. alongside them, and you know, love them or hate them, Purvis and Wade have, have steered this ship for a long time now. And uh, I think they've been integral to the success, especially during the Daniel Craig era of the Bond films. Yeah. And I mean, you can't not mention Martin Campbell. He's Absolutely. essentially rebooted the franchise twice now with success. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think maybe they should give him a phone call now. You know, who knows well, if you can uh, do it a third time. Do you want to stick Billington up there? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> a lovely, lovely, uh, like, uh, win for him, wouldn't it? That after all of that, we'll stick you on the Rushmore. <laughs> what I'd like to do, I'd like to call him into the office and go, we'll just, just wait here. <laughs> no, we've not. We're, actually, no, we've decided not to. <laughs> well, let's go back then to the, like you said, the first 10 years of Bond. Other creatives from that era, we, we have to mention Richard Maybaum. Mm-hmm. who obviously steered the the bond writing um from right from dr no right up until um uh license to kill i think he's absolutely essential to the story um and then peter hunt as well who was one uh the editor on all the early bond films and then finally graduated to director on honor majesty secret service i think without his editing style again the, the films wouldn't have been the success that they were at that, those early stages any other early stage names I'm sure there's plenty. People are probably screaming. Um, Norman Wanstall, I think, the sound designer, but also Bob Simmons as well, the uh, the stunt coordinator. Oh, yeah. as well. Bob Simmons, I have got him written down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I, I guess you've mentioned some directors there. Other directors, I think, that do deserve to go on. John Glenn, obviously, with five Bond films to his name, and also a load of um, second unit stuff as well. I think he's really, really important to the story, and absolutely deserves his place up there. Where are you sticking the faces of all the Tanners? You got a separate mountain for that. <laughs> Tanner's got his own. Uh, yeah, he's in the caravan outside, right. <laughs> <laughs> stuck on bits of paper on the wall. Yeah. So let's go back to the more recent era. Then um, another name that sticks out to me, Judy Dench. Yeah, the basically the the modern era Bernard Lee. You know, mm. obviously playing the same character, but also playing that integral, just you know, ever present sort of pillar of bond How big from is the, the 90s it's massive it's it, it's it's the yeah. 007 stage so ken adams working hard at it yeah. and okay um <laughs> he's, he's had to get stanley kubrick in to help light it because yes yeah you know it's difficult it's difficult can, can we have like a, a mount rushmore with all the big ones on and then at the bottom we have like a fake uh hollywood walk you know this the stars well, everyone else gets one of those. Yeah, yes. get everyone yeah. else on there. Just so they're all they're yeah. all in there. That'd be quite a cool room to wander around. You can't really forget. It would. Yeah, you can't really forget some of those people. Because I mean, you 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 want to honour people like you know Robbie Coltrane, for mm. example. Uh, you don't want to miss him out. Um, honour Blackman. Um, yes. Ursula Andress, all these people. But I'm thinking like that on the on the mount itself, it's got to be the big guys, right? It's got to be yeah. the the really really important ones. Um, has that covered everyone? Or was there any more of the composers that maybe added something beyond David Arnold and John Barry? I suppose you've got Monty Norman, but I don't think you'd get, get up on the on the mountain. Monty Norman, yeah, he gets a foot a footnote. Um, mm. 
sadly. Um, and then I guess I, I, maybe there's a space for a Walther PPK and an Aston Martin on there as well. Hmm. Yep. What about John Cleese? Oh, well, he's he's like, that's like the big, you know, in, in Asia, they have those giant statues. <laughs> that's like, John Cleese. Just stick his face on a mug. Um, yeah, well, I guess that's our Mount Rushmore then. So, um, yeah, I'm obviously we've missed loads and loads of people, but I thought that'd be a fun little uh, activity to do. Uh, yeah, but but the great thing is, if you did want to, you know, work out who to put on your Mount Rushmore, you could listen to the James Bond Data podcast all the way back, starting from A. Exactly. We cover we cover them all. Exactly. Um, that's a lot of effort to make this Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us weekly. It's been a pleasure to have you back on our very, very final episode. Um, Thanks for having me. Congratulations on finishing it. There was there were times year, a couple of years ago where I was saying, oh, I don't think we'll ever get to the end of this, but you did it. Well done. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Mr. Smith and Wesson. And you've had your six. Red wine with fish. Well, that should have told me something. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. James Bond, who only has to make love to a woman, and she starts to hear heavenly choir singing. Tell me, Miss uh, Good Thighs, how much did you tip the porter to let you in here? They told me you were assassinated in Hong Kong. Yes, this is my second bite. Mmm, not bad for a start. But darling, now we have all the time in the world. Hi, I'm Plenty. But of course you are. Plenty are too. Named after your father, perhaps. He picked the wrong Paris to haul ass through, boy. Nobody cuts and runs on Chef G.W. Pepper. Come, come, Mr. Bond. You get as much fulfillment out of killing as I do, so why don't you admit it? I admit killing you would be a pleasure. Where's Pakesh? Pyramids! Ah! You appear with the tedious inevitability of an unloved season. That's daytime, comrade. You don't have it? I don't have it. You have a nasty habit of surviving. How reckless of me. I made you all wet. Yes, but my martini's still dry. I'm happiest in the saddle. <laughs> A fellow sportsman. What's your escape route? Sorry, old man. Section 26, paragraph 5. That information is on a need-to-know basis only. You earned it. You keep it, old buddy. Because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. A relic of the Cold War. Do I need any other protection? Only from B007, unless you bring that car back in pristine order. Doctor. Jones. Christmas Jones. And don't make any jokes, I've heard them all. I don't know any doctor jokes. Magnificent view. It is, isn't it? Too bad it's lost on everybody else. Mojito? I'm the money. Every penny of it. Well, then... The first thing you should know about us is that we have people everywhere. 
she sent you off to me knowing you're not ready, knowing you will likely die. Mommy was very bad. And now we know what the sea stands for. Careless. We just need more time. If we would have more time. You have it. name's Bond. 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 James Bond. You were expecting someone else? Ah, oh, well, we're back, Brendan. Ah. And they're ranked. They're all done. They're all done. They're Lock all, it in. Done. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say, um, obviously, there was a lot of opinions bandied around there. Um, yeah. But it's... There's something about this idea of of ranking the films that it it just it's so divisive. Absolutely, and not only that, it's it depends on what stage of your life you're in. You know, the my top ten has changed massively since we started this podcast. Let alone, you know, before I think, that. I think mine's changed since we recorded that section. Um, there you go. But yeah, I think my point is that like, if you don't agree with how we've rated or ranked them, that's fine. I I have no issue with the way that you see the Bond films, how which ones you prefer. Uh, the miracle is, is that there's something to enjoy in all of those films. I think. Um, Absolutely, yeah. The miracle that is that some people actually like Moonraker. <laughs> An octopus. No, let's not get started on that. Let's not get started on that. But no, no, I just wanted to say that, you know, I think all, all, uh, the idea of ranking these 25 films is kind of a fruitless task, really. Um, yeah. It, you, you like these films for different reasons. You might have a, you might prefer one actor over another. So like, yeah, I mean, I, whatever floats your boat. I think we're all Bond fans. We can all enjoy them for what they are. That's um, it. You know, it. whoever's listening to this is listening because they're into Bond, you know. Not because they want to hear us drivel on about what bond we like most. Yeah. Exactly. So, shall we dive into the questions and emails? Yes, let's go for it. So, first of all, um, we've got a little clip here from Luke Payne to play. Hey, James Bond A to Z. This is Luke Payne, sometimes known as Half Monk, Half Hitman. Just wanted to send my appreciation. I can't thank you guys enough, Tom, Brendan, Tom all of your wonderful guests, for giving us such a great podcast. The last couple of years, you've provided a weekly journey into my favorite and the greatest film franchise of all time. I've learned so many new and intriguing things. I've been surprised and delighted and charmed every week. Thanks again so much for the podcast. I'm truly glad to have had it, and I'm going to miss it terribly every week, but I will no doubt be revisiting it often. And I really think you should do a numerical addendum. So I look forward to James Bond 0 to 9 coming sometime in 2023. Thanks, guys. Well, lovely message there from Luke. Thank you very much. Um, next, I've got just this is just a message from Carwin Richards. And he said, um, first came across you on my usual boring 70 mile drive each way to work. 70 miles each way, Brendan. Madness. I live near Harlech and drive to Chester to work every weekday. And one particular day, I thought I'd try a podcast for a change on Spotify. May 2021 from memory. Uh, anyway, by September, I'd managed to catch up and I've listened to every Thursday from 6.30 a.m. onwards. So, Carwin, thank you so much uh, for joining us. 
I'm glad we were able to accompany you on those journeys. And he said, congratulations on your final episode. I can only imagine the effort and commitment from the three of you. I mean, two of us mainly. <laughs> now, now, this is a celebration and he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> Do you want to read Mark Hevingham's email? Yeah. So he said, for the finale, I just wanted to say how entertaining and informative the show has been. It's been an immediate listen every week and will leave a big gap. I do hope you can find something new to return for. Thank you. Oh, that's very sweet of you, Mark. Thank you. Lovely sentiments there. Yeah. Yeah. And this one I've included because uh, it was an email we came back a a little while back. But this is this is from someone called Barry Hughes. And this is kind of one of those emails that I get, which makes me appreciate having done this podcast even more. Um, Barry wrote to say in the Q episode, I was very interested to hear that Jeffrey Belden played Q in the first Casino Royale, which I had not known. The 1958 film A Night to Remember about the sinking of the Titanic featured Bailden, Desmond Llewellyn and Alec McCowan. Wow. He, he was Q in, in Never Say Never Again. So three Q actors. Llewellyn was uncredited, but Bailden and McCowan both played wireless operators, which is interesting given their wireless operators were at the cutting edge of technology for their day, a foretaste of their later roles as Q. So that is just an amazing fun fact there about Q, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that, that is brilliant. Ben Wishaw wasn't anything to do with it, was he? No, he was just a twinkle <laughs> in his grandparents' eyes at that stage, I imagine. Right, what, here's, this is a question we get asked a lot, Brendan. Why don't you ask it from Connor? Um, so Connor says, what is your biggest Bond what-if? So the examples he's given are third Dalton film, Brosnan's Casino Royale, Connery in On a Majesty's Secret Service. Great question, Connor. We yeah. we do talk about this a fair bit, I think, and we have done in the past. Um, I think in the past I would have said, you know, the fifth Brosnan film. Mm. Um, but, but, but I think I, you're going to choose the same as me. Well, my tastes have, I think, have changed a little bit over time. But I, I would like to have seen if Casino Royale 67 hadn't been a spoof. Oh, what would that? have been like you know we talked to jeremy duns all those years back we talked about that episode and when they started out developing 67 casino royale it was a serious bond film and they had serious scripts from serious screenwriters but then they obviously lost their nerve and went for a spoof so i i think i'd love to see some of those scripts turned into graphic novels or whatever Um, and that's that's one of my sort of biggest what ifs what about you Ah, oh, there are so many to choose. Um, but, I mean, not only th- third Dalton film, but also fourth, which we've ta- also talked about. Um, yeah. Just a real stint from Dalton, would I would have loved to have seen. Having now, re- I really appreciate Dalton as Bond. And I think just having two, he never really got into the swing of it, did he? Um, just not enough, is it? No. So a third and a fourth, I would have liked. Um just to, to see some more of what he could have done with the character. On a, on a Dalton tip, how about if that third or fourth Dalton film had been Warhead with Kevin McClory? <laughs> that is one of my big what-ifs. I'd love to have seen yeah. a second Thunderball remake in the 90s with Dalton or with Brosnan. That'd be, that'd be bonkers, wouldn't it? I just would, I just would love to see it. I would yeah. love to see it. Any more? What ifs? Um, I mean, I've I've said before that I, w- I would love to have seen Tarantino take on Bond. 
Yeah, that idea that he was going to make a, what was it, black and white Casino Royale set in the 60s with yeah. Piers Brosnan. Yeah, just the, the, it would have oozed sort of cinema classic, wouldn't it? Yeah, would never, would never have happened, would it? No. No. Right, let's move on to our next question. Craig Main emailed, he said, every new Bond actress seems to claim this is the first one that his Bond's equal or he's met his match, but who has the strongest claim to that title? That's a difficult question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I started right at the beginning um, and I sort of followed the through line and I got to Aki in You Only Live Twice. And she's someone we've talked about a lot, right? Yeah. She She's a secret agent in her own right. She saves Bond uh, a couple of times in that film. So I think she sort of breaks the mould a little bit. And then from there, Tracy in on her majesty's secret service i feel like she again she tames bond she's different from the others uh she's lasted she's had an impact on the series um so they're 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 my classic ones i would yeah, say they're definitely the the early trailblazers for that but i think as you move forward i think way lin has a big claim to it yeah in tomorrow, tomorrow never, never dies. dies yeah and then more recently obviously vesper yeah Definitely um, just sort of changed the way we looked at what a Bond girl is. Yeah, and again, the sort of the impact they can have over a, a, a series of films, you know, not the disposable Bond girl. Mm-hmm. And then the other one for me I put was Natalia from GoldenEye, um, yes. only because it's the greatest Bond film of all time, but um, also she, again, holds Bond to account. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's several scenes where she's going, come on, sort it out, get your act together, yeah. save us from this situation, mm-hmm. not like waiting to be rescued. Yeah. So again, I think she's. Uh, I think she's. Terrific. Yeah, definitely. the The scene on the beach where she's just like laying into him. I mean, giving him some home truths. Mm. That's uh, it's really powerful stuff. Yeah, really is. Right. Do you want to take the next question? So this is from Haphazard Stuff, and uh, the question is: After researching and learning so many new things about the films, are there any of them that you now have a better appreciation of? that you were more on the cool side before starting the podcast? Um, that's a great question, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have an answer to that? Um, I'm going to need a second. What, what uh, have you well, got? I've got, I mean, this is a bit of a joke answer, but tax. <laughs> <laughs> ring, the, ring the tax bell. Ring the tax bell. Because I know we joke about it, but we talk about it every single episode. And I think it's just a reminder of how much of these things, you know, art is commerce, mm-hmm. right? And all, uh, so many decisions on the Bond films are made for commerce reasons rather than artistic reasons. Yeah. They're oft- often commercial compromises. Sometimes they work in their favour of the film, sometimes not so much. But um, so... I think that's probably something I've really learned or, or sort of I'm, I'm much more aware of than I ever were, ever was before. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily a better appreciation, but uh, it's definitely something I'm a, more, much more aware of now. Yeah. Um, I think I definitely appreciate what Michael G. Wilson has done for the franchise. Interesting. Um, he, he, like when we did the the episode on him, he's he's somebody that sort of just he's happy just to sit in the background and Barbara do all the talking and um, you know he he carried Bond through the eighties 
and he continues to this day and, and he doesn't get the the praise and um the limelight that maybe cubby did when he was in the same role yeah I, I, in a similar vein i think dana broccoli as well when you sort of read into those early bond films how important she was mm. to the series and the direction of the series i think uh again she's sort of super important but um yeah i think that's a great a really great question um and yeah i refer you to the previous 109 episodes for more in-depth <laughs> answers <laughs> Uh, I guess on a similar note, I mean, we, that quite a few people ask the same thing. Mark D asked, what have you learned that surprised you the most during the podcast? And then George Aldridge asked, are there any individuals who you researched for the series who were completely shocked by learning more about? So I guess it's more about like, uh, I guess, individuals and and um, uh, 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 people and facts and stuff like that. Um, that surprised us I, one of the things that jumped out to me that I made a note on was just the impact of World War 2 on mm. this movie on how many people served during the uh, during the war and I know obviously Bond was written in a, in a post-war environment but it really is a franchise in a film series forged during that conflict I think absolutely yeah repercussions you know all the way through it and up to the 90s and then even into the 21st century you know people working on it have been affected by world war Two. it's yeah it, it's crazy it's also crazy how they all had careers before world war Two. they went away they served they came back and just resumed it's just, those stories are just mad um also i was quite shocked about the uh the repercussions that kevin mcclory had that tangled web of mess with the rights yeah you know, it 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 really was throughout the whole a to z wasn't it uh, yeah absolutely i mean obviously we did it in a to z order but like chronologically speaking i mean we talked about it when we did never say never again mm. basically every single film up to specter that has been impacted and even beyond that i would say you know because when specter was reintroduced in 2015 that in itself had a ripple effect, right? Mm. Into into the yeah. next two films. It was, yeah, kind of crazy. Uh, in terms of individuals who were completely shocked by learning about, I've got a couple of names here. Tetsura Tamba, who played Tiger Tanaka. That, yeah. for me, was one of the best rabbit holes I fell down. Yeah. Um, how he went from being, like, this actor to basically starting his own sex cult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely go go back and listen to the tea episode because it's it's a crazy story. Yeah. Any other individuals? We've got the unsung heroes, which we've covered in the Mount Rushmore section. Yeah. I, the ones that I always find really sad to learn about are the ones that who died not long after making the movies or even during mm. the making of the movies. So I'm thinking Pedro Armendariz. Yeah. Ilsa that was right, right from the very first episode, Armendariz. It was, yeah. It? Um, Ilsa Stepat, who was in uh, On a Majesty's Secret Service, who died like weeks after the film came out. Yeah. Um, they were just real tragedies, you know. You just see these people in the movies and you just think, oh, I wonder what they went on to do. And then you find out nothing. Yeah. Oh, and really Johnny sad. Jordan as well. God, yeah, that's a, that was a, yeah, a terrible, terrible mm. episode, that one. Um, yeah. And then I, another individual that surprised me was Chris Blackwell when we were doing Doctor No and how this guy who was, I think, friends with 
a, a, a friend of Ian Fleming's son and how he ended up like being a runner on the film and then went on to basically now owns now owns Goldeneye and was the founder of Island Records. Yes. Like yeah. just this real background person in the background um who uh yeah who went on to big things but there's so many just again just the hundreds and hundreds of people involved with all these films. And pretty much all of them had amazing stories. And if they didn't, we didn't cover them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right, you want to tackle the next question? Yeah, so Richie Griswold says, was Zardoz Connery's worst film? <laughs> we should have said Zardoz under Z, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should. What do you think? I've, I've not never seen, seen it. I've never, I've never seen it. Yeah. Confession so. time, I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, I've written Sibili because I I pretty much can guarantee Sibili is worse than Zardoz. I've watched chunks of Sir Billy and I can probably guarantee that it's worse than Zardos, but you know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen has got to be up there as well. Mm. Yeah, actually, that's the, that was something I wanted to mention in in our unfinished business section. Was that there's been so many movies that we've talked about in connection with the podcast? Yeah, that I always thought, oh, one day we'll get round to watching it and we'll we'll talk about it, but mm. just never did. No. Call Me Buona, for example. Yeah. I think yeah. once I'm finished this, I'm going to watch Call Me Buona. You're not. <laughs> um, what was the other one that ke- always came up? Um, we've got Chitty Chitty Bang Bang as well, haven't we? Yeah. What was the Roger Spottiswood one? Oh, team, team Air America. We seem to talk about Air America yeah. every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Next question, Jack McMorrow, friend of the show. He says, my support for the next date, James Bond, is I am uh, is David Ayala. Your thoughts? Uh, now, David Ayala, I recognise from Star Trek Discovery. Um, but Jack says, many people I work with agree, and some see his photo and, and immediately say, yes, I, would, I could see him as the next Bond. I mean, next Bond is something we talked a lot about uh, yeah. in the early part of the show, but sort of gave it up later on. Mm. Um, so at this stage do you have any thoughts on who you want to be the next Bond what about David Ayala do you know him You're familiar no with I'm not, not familiar with, with his work at all no so I'd have to have to do some research on that to, to throw an opinion um, but I mean who knows I, I would not like the task that Barbara and Michael G. Wilson have got because how many people do you think they've they've looked at hundreds yeah, um, and and you've got to see something. You know how how does somebody sort of break out from and and rise above those those numbers? It's it's crazy, isn't it? Um, yeah, I I just think whoever it is needs to get the full support of, you know, not only obviously they'll get the support of the studio but the fans as well. Because what happened with Daniel Craig uh, when he was announced that was wrong. And it shouldn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that whoever they announce is going to cause some consternation online. They're either going to be not famous enough. They're either going to be too famous. They're mm-hmm. not going to look the part. Yeah. But it all it all comes down to, and it was with Daniel Craig, was what's the script they've got? Yeah. And who's going to work for that? And that's that's basically your spring springboard, isn't it? That's what you that's your jumping off point. I know Barbara has recently said, you know, we haven't got a script. We haven't started looking. I'm going to say that's 100% BS. They are yeah. working on a script. Yeah. They are looking at people. 
that is the, what they do. Yeah. <laughs> they are they're just sitting, looking. staring at a wall, blinking. Yeah. <laughs> because of Barbara, when she talked about um, casting Daniel Craig, she said, oh, I first noticed him in Elizabethtown. And I knew, not Elizabethtown, Elizabeth. And I knew then that blah, 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 he was going to be. And that was years before he was Bond. So mm. they've yeah. seen, they, they know. Well, also remember, Daniel Craig quit before he did No Time to Die. Yeah. So they would have started then. Yeah. Because that to convince him to get him back on board. But yeah, who, whoever it is will have my full support. The, the thing is, I'm... Yeah, at this stage of, is the best time to be a Bond fan because you, it's just, oh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Yeah. The, the, yeah. the speculation is even more fun than actually finding out, I think. And I don't know about you. I mean, I think I know you're the same as me. It only takes you to watch a TV programme for a bit and see someone who sort of can fit the part and think, mm-hmm. good, definitely got to be him. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. Theo James in White Lotus. Yeah. We were both like, yeah. Well, I, I messaged you after I yeah. watched it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just watched Happy Valley and I thought, James Norton, yeah, it's definitely could be him. He could do it. Aaron, They said Aaron Taylor Johnson. Now I look at him, I think he could do yeah. it. It doesn't yeah. take much for me to think, yeah, he could do it. Um, so who it's going to be, I've no idea. I've yeah. no idea. And luckily, Google Images is always uh, a picture of picture of them in a tuxedo. So fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't take much to, to imagine it. What about here's what here's a left field suggestion. What about Idris Elba? <sighs> He's about sixty, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. No more Idris Elba. Thank you very much. He said no about a thousand times. So, uh... so Ratman's says you asked the questions. So here's mine. So as a big fan of your podcast, I wonder if you consider doing another po- another podcast in the future. If so, what would it be about? It doesn't even have to be Bond relating. Thank you for the podcast. Whoa! I mean, this is something we've talked about, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, first of all thank you thank you very much for your support and also thank you in suggesting that we could do something else that wouldn't have to be bond related i really appreciate that that's very kind of you to say because um yeah um i would hate to be pigeonholed i think when we started the podcast we or i certainly intended the podcast to be for film fans Mm. not necessarily just bond fans yeah um and i think like the support that we've had and the listeners that we have suggests that yeah, it's it's a podcast for more than just Bond fans, I think. So I think we have got something else in us. Um, and I feel like we try to keep the editorial standard to a certain level, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but if we were if we if we were to do a single topic podcast again, Brendan, I think there's very few <laughs> topics that we could both agree on. Right. Yeah, it's 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 minimal, isn't it? The crossover. I mean, you'd want to do Star Wars. Well, not. I've, I've, I'm over Star Wars. I You're think, done. You're done. Yeah, with it. I'm done with Star Wars. Yeah, I think for me, you know, Jurassic Park would be an easy one for me to 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 do hours and hours on, but not for you. Yeah. Um. um uh, Seinfeld I, would be think, up there for me. I think Seinfeld. Yeah, I think Seinfeld would be the sweet spot for us, wouldn't it? Yeah. But again, I mean, how many episodes? 180 episodes? Yeah. Crazy. That's a, and how do you go about it? Do you do the A to Z? God, no. No, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if we were to carry on doing Bond, well, 
I don't know what we would do. I don't even know how to what to suggest. I think if we were going to do more Bond, I what I don't want to. We, we've reached the end of our life with it, haven't we? And I would. I what I don't want to, wouldn't want to do is just carry on doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, I think yeah. we both agree on that, don't we? A hundred percent. I think you know how many thousands of minutes have we done? Let's let's put it to bed. There's enough out there for you to go back and listen to. Yeah, exactly. But if they do announce a new Bond, <laughs> I'm sure we'll come back and say something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if not, you'll have to enjoy the Seinfeld podcast. Or I was going to say the the other crossover, you know, it's just movies in general, right? I think if we could find yeah. a topic in movies that we were interested as enough. Well, look at the, the ideas we're throwing around. It's all in the realm of films, TV. You know, yeah. We're not looking elsewhere. I'm not going to start doing a... a a tennis podcast are we a pottery podcast yeah instead of (laughs) pottery Uh, but thank you mark i I really appreciate it um uh, sorry ratman's that was your question but also um mark hevingham he emailed as well and said are you doing a new show um but like i said i think you know the show's never been better it's never had more listeners uh it's tight it's it's a it's the right time to go out on a high yeah yeah when you're number one in slovakia yeah (laughs) Exactly. Just <laughs> Luke, Luke's question. Yeah, so Luke Payne says, what I'd really love to hear is how the project has affected you personally. Um, and he says, for me, the reason to indulge in media is not just for entertainment, but to be challenged to grow and connect to the really valuable stuff of life. That's very insightful, Luke. Very insightful. It is. Have you, have you, got, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to be philosophical about this the situation. It's something we've done. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> occupied our waking thoughts for two, two years. Yeah. How has it affected you personally? I would say, you know, renewed friendships, um, the, just the just the chance to, you know, hang out with you weekly, yeah. every week has been nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen it much more of each other in person, spoken all the, speak all the time. So that's great. Um and then, like, making new friends through it. You know, lots of different people yeah. have, have come forward. Um, we've connected with uh, through the show. Um, um, and they all know who they are. But, um, yeah, I guess it's just nice to meet people and, and, and do things you enjoy doing with them, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and let's not forget, we started it during... One of the lockdowns. I don't know which one. Three, two or three. Um, it might even been in the first. No, it no, wasn't. it wasn't. It was twenty-one, wasn't it? So it was. It was second or third. Yeah. Um, anyway, but there wasn't much going on, and I used to do improv, and that obviously that that ended with uh, it went online, but it wasn't as good, and it, so having an outlet, a hobby, something to do, something to focus on. Um, the podcast was a, a, a genuine sort of life lifeline, I would say, during lockdown. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, definitely. And just to keep, yeah, you know, it's good for your mental health, isn't it, to have something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I will say as well, um, when, during that time when it was when it was height height of lockdown. I know personally that I would take my, you know, my daily walks or my daily exercises. Yeah. And I would listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah. you would connect with that and it would you know it keep your brain going you you know it would entertain you it'd make you think and so to think that maybe we've been there for someone else i think is um i think that's really touching you know yeah i can't even get my head around that the fact that we would be in people's ears while they're doing stuff like the the guy who was driving who drives 70 miles to work yeah it's <laughs> it's crazy that they would choose to listen to us and it's very humbling yeah it really is um but yeah i mean you've had some very personal growth linked to the podcast right yeah i mean two years we've been talking about making films and and what goes on behind the scenes and it's led to me to change my career so more recently i've i've moved into the film industry um, that's and amazing I'm, and now working on a tv show yeah, I mean that's that's amazing, really, that you've you've done that, and um, yeah, I'm very pleased for you. We both studied film production at, at, at university, didn't we? But now that yeah. you're sort of backing it and doing it, I'm uh, yeah, I'm absolutely thrilled for you. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, great question, Luke, and really appreciate it. It's nice to sort of think about it and, and look back on it now. Yeah. Um, so I think it's time to start wrapping things up for one final time. We've got some thank yous that we need to get through. Um, there's quite a lot here. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll start off first uh, with our uh, with everyone that sponsored us on coffee. I know we, we, we sort of joked at the start that, you know, is it worth three quid? But every single person that's donated money to this podcast, you know, that means a, that's just an incredible um, incredibly generous thing to do and I know it's not the best of times to ask for money but if you are able to contribute then please do and if you can't contribute to the coffee don't worry just tell your friends to contribute instead uh, no I'm just kidding <laughs> tell your friends about the podcast <laughs> leave us a good rating and review keep listening to the episodes share the episodes that you like um, and and yeah really appreciate it but we had 98 people sent us coffees so far so uh, thank you to Jack from Ireland with Stout Fred, Mark, Phil C, Connor from Belfast, Martin Barrett, Luke Payne, Carwin, Federico, Stephen, Kansas Bond, Fergal, Marcello Butticelli, what a fantastic name, uh, Jeff Adams, Mike Butcher, Lane Bruce, Leon Pasvir, Paul Lomas, Dan, Steve Riley, Guillaume Dorig, uh, Guillaume, he has been a very passionate supporter right from the start. So, yeah, big yeah. shout out to you. Um, anonymous Kofi supporter, whoever you are. Reveal yourself. Um, <laughs> Adrian Hurley. John O'Sullivan. And David Goodyear. Yeah. If everyone was to donate £3, we'd be able to buy many more Bond posters. I've actually spent some of my money, Brendan, already. I bought a License to Kill poster. And of original, course you so, did. Uh, Have you got any wall space left? I've got no wall space left, <laughs> but I'm going to make room. I'm going to take down some of them and replace them. But I mean, the, the podcast wouldn't be the same without the, all the amazing guests that we had on the show as well. And when I wrote this list out, I couldn't believe the amount of names that we got on here. So uh, let's rattle through these as well. Right, right, Starting right at the beginning with Mark O'Connell, who is, you know, a big a passionate bond fan great supporter of the show so thank you mark for being the first to bite the bullet and come on the show um and then we had calvin calvin dyson who i think many of you will be aware of and he his podcast um his youtube videos are are fantastic and he brings a lot of energy and passion to bond yeah he came on to talk about brosnan didn't he it was he fantastic did. thank you calvin uh jeremy duns who we've mentioned already came on and talked about casino royale 
Simon Brew, who came on and spoke about Daniel Craig, wasn't it? Uh, Casino Royale 06, I think. Yeah, and we talked, touched upon Daniel Craig. So yeah. thank you, Simon. Yeah, John Cork. What a legend. Oh, yes. That was probably my, one of my favourite guests, I think, um, who wrote the James Bond Insider piece. Did all the audio commentaries as well. Thank you, John. Natalie Jameson. Yeah. She came on and talked about Daniel Craig. I'd met him many times. Yeah. James Page from MI6. James has been amazingly supportive of the podcast as as vip at mi6 and so thank you to all those guys there um you've really made us feel welcome in the world of bond yeah zan brooks yes a passionate defender of diamonds are forever of course how can we forget <laughs> yeah chris tilly who was game enough to come on and talk about diamonds are forever professor melanie williams is the first academic we had right yeah from russia with love i think melanie came on and spoke about um raymond benson bond author yeah i mean what a big name from the from the bond history yeah thank you raymond uh Stu rolls yes who helped the show out in a very uh difficult time of need for us um yeah he had uh yeah recently been bereaved and Stu stepped in and helped us out with an episode there so thank you very much Stu. jonathan sothcott film producer who came on and spoke about for your eyes only yes yeah that was a good one uh, Dr. Luella Chapman. Yes, whose book I cannot recommend highly enough. Uh, the um, Her book's all about the clothes of James Bond. So, uh, yeah, um, thank you, Luella. Uh, Scott Hardy, Spy Hards. He's been on twice, I think. Um, and Scott has become quite a good friend as well. So uh, shout out to Scott and his excellent Spy Hards podcast for, for coming on and helping out on the show. And that haunting story from License to Kill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, and Alan J. Porter from the Bond lexicon. Yeah, he came on twice. Again, yeah. a great supporter of the show, a real great Bond mind and just a brilliant, um, a brilliant guy. Uh, Mark Miller. Can't believe we've got Mark Miller. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy, isn't it? If you just said when we first started, we're going to chat with Mark Miller. Yeah. Creator of uh, Kick-Ass and all those amazing cartoons. He was a, a comic books. He was amazing. Great guest. Came on twice, actually. Um, yeah. Um, oh, Gareth Owen. Yes, Sir Roger's personal assistant, executive assistant. Again, been a great supporter of the show. So, uh, thanks, Gareth. M- Mark Harrison, who I think is our most frequent guest, excellent yeah. journalist at Film Stories. He came on, I think, three or four times to speak about Bond. Did that excellent quiz for us on Q. Yeah. Well, I can't see his name or hear his name without thinking Roger's walking. <laughs> Or Phil Q. (laughs) Mark Salisbury. Yes, the writer of the No Time to Die making of book. Thank you very much, Mark. He made his podcast debut with us. I don't know if he's done any more podcasts since. We might have put him off for life by the time. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. Cam Smith, uh, also of the Spy Hards podcast. He came on and talked about Octopussy. Again, very game. Also a great supporter of the show. Mike Reyes. Yeah, he stepped in while you were on holiday, Brendan. Ah, on Yeah, that's yeah. on some unfinished business for you, isn't it? Sure. Um, what, come back on my own and talk about yeah. that? <laughs> um, George Aldridge of Cinema Savvy, who, again, I can't thank enough for, for reaching out right at the very start of the podcast and getting us on his show. Um, George, yeah. I've speak to George quite a lot still, so um, thanks, George, uh, for being a supporter of the show. AJ Chowdhury. Well, he's going to get another mention in a minute, but um, again... When he came on for Quantum of Solace, 
Yeah. He just absolutely knocked it out of the park, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And and um, sort of, I felt like he, he gave us a, another viewpoint of it as well. Fantastic. Yeah, very much so. We'll talk about him again in a second. Kim Sherwood, author of um, Double or Nothing. Yeah. She was great. Uh, Phil Noble Jr. Again, another great contributor. He came on about Skyfall. Um, he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, shout out to all the guests and the listeners who contributed to the 60th anniversary specials. I think they're some of my favourite episodes. Um, they were so much fun to put together. Uh, John Higgs, of course, the author of uh, Love and Let Die. Yes, another fantastic Bond mind. Jack Cross, who I wish we could have got on more, to be honest. I yeah. really enjoyed having Jack on. Yeah, um, my my friend and... Uh, I. I yeah, he came on too late in the run, didn't he, I think, to, to try and get him on again. Yeah. And then our final guest, AJ Black, who was the author of The Cinematic Connery, who came on and spoke about You Only Live Twice. What a fantastic roster of of guests and friends. A, a incredible lineup of, of, of guests, yeah. So thank you very much. Um, but, I mean, the podcast itself, we're standing on the shoulders of giants mm. um, because... I mean, we basically just repackaged a lot of information that's already out there. Very little <laughs> information that we gleaned ourselves from things. But um, um, I mean, I just wanted to shout out some of the places and some of the books that we got a lot of information from just to say sort of thank you. And like I said, mentioned already, MI, MI6HQ, uh, again, James and Vip, they've been very keen supporters of the show. So thank you very much, MI6. Matthew Field and AJ Chowdhury for their absolutely fantastic collection of stories in some kind of hero brilliant book you know, yeah f- absolutely great um and then john cork got three mentions here with bruce civilly on uh, on the audio commentaries on on the amazing book james bond the legacy and also with colin stutz on the james bond encyclopedia i mean he's just an incredible bond mind so thank you john yeah yeah um mark altman and edward cross nobody does it better which I um, I've got the audio book of and uh, I've listened to it many 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 times in preparation for whatever episode we were doing. That's a great book. Uh, John Burlingame's The Music of James Bond. Alistair Dougal's Fifty Years of Movie Posters. That's a it's great a book. Lovely book. Yeah. Yeah. Sally Hibbin, one of the OG uh, book uh, Bond book writers, the, uh, she wrote the Making of License to Kill. That's a fantastic making of book if you can get hold of it. Garth Pierce, uh, Goldeneye, and Tomorrow Never Dies. They're the making of, aren't they? Yeah, and that Tomorrow Never Dies one is brutal. <laughs> so <laughs> get it if you can get your hands on it. You can get them for really, really, really easy, really good money. That one's a brilliant one, though. Um, Ian Johnston's The World Is Not Enough, another great making of book. Mark Salisbury's No Time to Die book. Yeah. Uh, Lee Pfeiffer, uh, a couple of mentions for him. Lee Pfeiffer and Philip Lee's book, uh, The Incredible World of 007. And then Lee Pfeiffer and Dave Worrell's The Essential James Bond. Andrew Lysett with his book on Ian Fleming. Yeah, another great source for us. Gareth Owens, Raising an Eyebrow. Lauren Buzzero, The Art of Bond. Yeah, Dr. Ellen Chapman with Fashioning James Bond. And of course, Roger Moore, Bond on Bond. My Word is My Bond, and the excellent Live and Let Die Diaries. Yeah. I mean, that is just a sample of my bookshelf <laughs> there. <laughs> and some of the ones we refer to the most. So again, we, the podcast would not exist without all this amazing work from all these amazing writers. So uh, yeah, yeah, credit where credit's due. And if you haven't got any of those books, let me know. I'll be selling them off quite cheap quite soon. 
No, I'm just kidding. Fire sale. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, there we are. I keep proud of place on my um, on my uh, on my bookshelf. So that's it. I think there's just one more person to to thank, Brendan, and it's not you. Oh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the listeners. If you're listening to this, uh, thank you. Um, it's been an absolute privilege to to do this show. Um, and you know, I think the Bond films and the story behind the Bond films. It's equaled only by the story of the Beatles, I think, in terms of a pop culture story of something that's yeah. lasted for so long. Absolutely, and and it's probably why John Higgs got to you know got down and wrote the book that that combined the two of them. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, it's it's a fantastic story, the Bond story, and it's it's continuing. That's the great it, thing about it. It carries on. It carries yeah. on. It endures. Yeah, yeah. There's no film series in history that's like it, except for maybe Police Academy. But um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, but no, really. I mean, just I'm mean, just if you've enjoyed this podcast and you've enjoyed the Bond films, thank you very much. We made this podcast for film fans. We try to set a high standard for ourselves. Um, we try to keep the episodes a manageable length. Um, we made this podcast for film fans, but the Bond fans found it as well, I think, is just um, it's just great as well. So uh, I think we're just glad yeah. we found an audience. Um, you know, I'd have been happy with one listener. <laughs> well, when you start off, that's all you have, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, every each and every one of you who ever listened, who ever told a friend about it, who ever rated the show, who ever posted about it on social media. Uh, you're awesome. Um, so thank you very much. But there is one more person to thank, Brendan, and that's you. Thank you very much for being there on this journey of discovery. Well, and I'd like to thank you as well. Ah. We, we've gave it, gave each other a, a, a reason to drag ourselves online every week and uh, and talk about Bond. Yeah, just thinking back to some of the episodes. Remember when we were recording at the height of summer and it was like forty degrees? <laughs> it was just like sweating. unbearable, locking ourselves in a room for two hours. Yeah. yeah madness um actually that's one another unfinished business we never got to record a podcast in person together ah so watch this space yeah uh, yeah i think if we did come back we'd do that i think yeah anything else you want to say brendan no apart from thank you to everyone everyone yeah. involved yeah and thank you to the big man himself mr james bond yeah which one the uh ornithologist the ornithologist obviously yeah. <laughs> um, Without him, you know, we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't be here. So, um, yeah, just enjoy uh, enjoy. If you like James Bond films, enjoy the films for what they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, on that note, it just remains for you to say <laughs> the James Bond podcast, A to Z podcast, will not return. <laughs> will not return. And ciao. Ciao.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.